Okay, this morning, um, it's interesting, last week I planned to get back into the This Is That series where we see what's happening in our world is what was prophesied in Scripture. And wouldn't you know, we have significant events happening in our world that um, are causing a lot of people to look to the Word and see, is this biblically or scripturally significant. We're going to break it down a little bit. And so when we jump into the This Is That series, which I started before Thanksgiving, and then we got into holidays, and um, I wanted to address the holidays, and um, then we were in our fast, and I just really felt led to kind of to go with that, that revival, that call that God was really calling us to seek Him. But as we get back into dealing with this series, this is that. It comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 16. And everybody listen, I just want to remind you this. Jesus in Acts 1 says, do not leave the city. Do not. Stay here until you've received the gift, the Holy Spirit. It's clear. Well, they stayed there and prayed for days. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell, the church was born, and early in the morning, some of the onlookers began to accuse those who had just been freshly filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit. They accused them of being drunk. And some of us think, well, that's how Pentecostal Spirit-filled people do. They just act crazy and they look like a bunch of drunkards. And I, I would challenge you when you really look at what happened it wasn't that. It was this. A lot of religious people were in town for the Feast of Pentecost in and around Jerusalem. And no one was used to seeing people with that kind of joy that early in the morning. And so they said, you know, what's going on? And um, if you, I don't have time to unpack it, but it's really a beautiful story where they begin to speak in their prayer language. And the Bible said, you know, they list like eight or nine or ten different nationalities, people that had come from all over the known world to, to celebrate, Jewish people, and they spoke in different languages. And the Bible said that they were astounded that they heard these drunk people speaking the wonders of God, the glories of God in their own language. And yet some, and there's always some that are a little bit cynical, and they thought, they're drunk. They're drunk. And Peter stands up, and he says, no, they are not drunk, as some of you are accusing them of being. Verse 16, he says, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied, predicted. A man in the Old Testament, a prophet, Joel, said this would happen. And we take that thought and we look at what's going on in our world. And there are those that go, you know what? The way God moves with his people, sometimes it's just weird. They look drunk. That's just, that, doesn't, that looks paranormal. I don't want anything to do with that. And there's others that, that they understood the prophecy and they were waiting for the prophecy to be fulfilled. If you'll remember back in November, I told you the way people receive prophecy, it's four different things. Some are, are, are unaware of the prophecy, and that was the case here. Some just didn't know Joel had prophesied it. And there's many people today caught up in the fear and the anxiety of what's happening in the pandemic, political situation, all across the world. People aren't aware that God spoke about these things. The second group of people is some were made aware, but they just they didn't believe it. They thought, oh, that's not going to happen. God's not, in the last days, he's not going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters dream dreams. Old men see visions. That's not what's going to happen. Or actually, old men dream dreams. Young men see visions. They were aware of it. They just didn't believe it. Number three, others were made aware, believed it, but the waiting for it to come to pass caused them to doubt. That happens to a lot of people. I think it's why Jesus in Matthew 24 said that when he returns, it'll be just like the day of Noah. There'll be people going, ah, 
that old man built that boat in the desert. It's not going to rain here. People who heard it believed it, but ah, they've been waiting too long. And then lastly, some were made aware of the prophecy, believed it, waited for it to come to pass, and they were receptive to what God was doing in that moment. Now, brothers and sisters, as we consider six or eight weeks back talking about prophecy and what's happening in our world, I feel a responsibility as a shepherd to not ignore these subjects, but to say to the best of my ability what I think the Word of God has said years ago about the times in which we're living. And I will remind you, those of you, everybody look here, and and prophecies, are there false prophets? Yes, many of them, and they're making lots of profit from it. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's always been false religious leader influence. There's always been charlatans, always, before Jesus, during Jesus, after Jesus, and now. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, you know what, prophecy, just don't deal with it. Because somewhere between 27% to one-third of the Bible is about prophecy. So you can't throw it out. And I would remind you of a couple of very important scriptures, Amos 3.7. Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. God never does anything in the earth until he first reveals it to the prophets so that they can share on God's behalf. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, the New Testament verse, Jesus says this, if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as the prophet. He who receives the prophet receives the prophet's reward. Well, what is the prophet's reward? Having the knowledge of what God spoke through the prophet so that we can be prepared for what's happening when the prophecy from the prophet is fulfilled. Y'all picking up? You tracking? Um, But we've got to deal with the spiritual gift of prophecy. And it's legit. It's 100% legit. But I've got, I've got a ton of things in my heart, and I don't even know where I'm going to land today. And I've just asked the Holy Spirit to just speak to you. And like last week, it's probably going to be almost two different sermons from this service to the next. Because there will be different people in the next service. But, but listen to me. Um, we're seeing a lot of false prophets and we have to be careful but there's a balance a seminary professor a friend of mine this week cynically posted basically here go the prophets again saying about Russia China and Iran will we ever learn And I thought for like two hours how to lovingly go, brother, while we've seen a lot of Y2K false prophecies, a lot of election issues that are still up in the air, a lot of really intense, pregnant prophetic words that have come forth, and and some are not being fulfilled, and some prophets are not being held accountable. Man, don't, don't get in your seminary high-minded, too intellectual, shoulders-up mindset and start poor-mouthing prophecy. That's dangerous grounds. And so I, I know the balance of these two worlds. And we don't just throw prophecies out. We'll be held accountable. And um, we don't just throw prophecy in general. And we don't just aimlessly just, just say, no. It's a very, very, very intense spiritual gift. And God intends to use it. And I'll, I'll just say a couple other things. I haven't studied, but I feel the Holy Spirit. You know, when we start talking prophecy, Paul told the church at Corinth that 
Prophecy is to edify the church. It, it doesn't, we don't start talking about the last days and the prophecies and then everybody's scared. That's not prophecy. The gift of prophecy is to edify the church, to make the church stronger, prepared. And what does edify mean? That doesn't mean, you know, get a 30-minute free massage from the Holy Spirit and now you feel better. But nothing's changed. You just feel better. You know, those are candy-coated snicker sermons and prophetic words. But when you're edified, it's what happens to me when I go to the gym. I'm made stronger. You know, what happens to the muscles when you work them out? It injures them. It injures them so that they recover and they get stronger. Some of you chiropractors could break that down and doctors a lot better than me. But when when I walk out, my medium shirt looks now like a smedium shirt, you know. I got bigger. The shirt didn't shrink. And you get edified. And brothers and sisters, hear, hear me. In this hour, I intend for you every Sunday to be built up. When you leave here, you're stronger. You're bigger in your faith. And how many of you know we need that? Amen? And the church needs it to not shrink back. I've got a lot to say, and I'm getting ready to go really deep, really hard, really fast for a long time. So hang on with me. Um, I, I will. I, I need. I need to weigh in on. I don't know what's happening with Russia. I don't. I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what's happening in the Ukraine. I don't know what's happening in China and Taiwan, and Iran, but. We would be foolish to ignore it. And here's another thing. We would be foolish to think if we can trust the media. I don't have time for... What the media, Ephesians 6, the waves, high places, wickedness, through our tell a vision... Because the enemy wants to tell you a vision that makes you think things that bring fear and cause you to shrink back and doubt your faith and to do away with the prophetic. Here's the deal. One of two things I think is happening, and again, I'm no prophecy expert, but I do know a little bit about the Bible, and I'm not afraid to say things when I feel the Holy Spirit leading me. i got a whole lot to say. Um, if, if Russia is going, you know what, we're being the big bad bear and we're coming in, we're taking Ukraine and the way they're saying it, they're taking it. Once they get Ukraine, they're going on in other Eastern Bloc countries. And maybe China is going, yep, we're partnering and we'll help finance it. And while the whole world's looking there, we're going to go in and get Taiwan And while that is all happening, Iran, we can use them. They can use us. We can get a mutually beneficial deal here. And at the end, Iran comes out of it with more money. And we know what Iran's going to do if they have more money. They're going to go in and attack Israel. And if that happens, we are in what I think is Ezekiel 38 and 39. We're, We're getting ready. And if that stuff begins to happen, I'm not saying it is. But I'm not saying it isn't. I'm saying... This is why Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 24 when he said, he started talking about the last day. And and their question was what your question would be. Tell us, Lord, what's it going to be like? And if you remember, the first thing Jesus said was, he said, be very careful that you are not deceived. In other words, be very careful. You must discern. I feel a whole lot welling up within me. Everybody, do you know the nature of deception? The nature of deception is people who are deceived would fight you for what they are deceived over, but don't realize they're deceived. That's the nature of deception. You know, you can tell me, well, y'all get the point. But deception, and this is what the enemy works in. And this is why Jesus said, be very careful and listen to me. This is why we need Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what's, what did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do? Oh, I got... I got rabbit trails all over my AD. Either this is the anointing or ADD. So just pray that it's the anointing. Um, 
I believe we're in a day that uh, Alistair McGrath is right. Church, you're going to see three kinds of churches are getting ready to survive what we're going through. Pentecostal, spirit-filled churches. Catholic church, because it's so... In, in the Catholic church, y'all, y'all know, even the Catholic church and their pope, this is, we've never seen this, at least since the dark ages we haven't, in the Catholic church. And then historical orthodox Christianity. We're getting ready to see denominations, more than one or two, they're getting ready to become obsolete soon because they're espousing another gospel that has no staying power. I could go into that and how kind of you to say, yeah, Pentecostal churches are going to survive. What's a Pentecostal church? It's a church that welcomes the Holy Spirit. It's a church that said we believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today's church. Um, and I could go into it, and that, but that's a whole other eight-week class that Pastor Munn teaches. And I encourage you to take it if you're questioning this stuff. But what did Holy Spirit? We're seeing the remnant. We're seeing the separation right now. Even in our own city, hear me when I say this. What did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do? He's, several things. He said, Jesus said, there's things I'd like to tell you right now, but you can't re- you're not ready to receive them. That's significant. But when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, listen, he will lead you into all truth. Holy Spirit will help you discern. Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when he comes, and I don't have time to break this down. I wish I did. He, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will make, the, make sinners aware. I'm, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And sometimes we have a salvation where it's just like kind of a, a luxury program. We come to churches and we go, hey, Jesus can make your life better. That's, that's salvation without the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus could have never been born again without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's the one who has to draw you. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? And so, sin. He will come and convict you of righteousness, being in the right position. When you're not in the right position between you and God, in righteousness, Holy Spirit will make you aware of it. And then judgment. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, judgment. The Holy Spirit in you will help you to discern. It's, this is not a being judgmental. This is the Holy Spirit in you will help you to be able to judge or discern what is right and what is not right. And with all the issues going on with the pandemic, job loss, Dr. Fauci, CDC, hypocrisy, lies, manipulation. Pharmaceutical companies making billions. We need some Holy Spirit ability to discern what should we do, what should we not do. Amen? How many of you thank God for the Holy Spirit? And now the Holy Spirit, if we were left to go, you know what, how are we going to make it without the Holy That's not our issue. We have the Holy Spirit who does lead us into all truth, who does help us to discern what we're supposed to do. In the name of Jesus, may the Holy Spirit be real and personal for every person in here. May you welcome the reality of who he is in your life. And may we as a church continue to say, Holy Spirit, if you don't show up, we're in trouble because all we have is Chuck Ramsey. Seriously. If he doesn't show up, all I have is me. But how many of you know he shows up? Come on, somebody. (laughs) Praise his name. Praise his name. I think um, Russia, Ukraine, if what I said earlier is not happening, and I think I, I don't think we can trust what we're seeing. In the media. I don't think we can trust what's being reported. This is why it was good to be with a couple people last night who just came from there. And if, if what I'm trying to say is, everybody listen, as you pray, and I know many people are, Christians are all over the world, as you pray, don't watch the news to figure out how you should pray. You might be praying totally amiss. 
or, or in a way that doesn't even need to be prayed about. So you, 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 you read this, you go, okay, now I understand that. And the Holy Spirit in me who doesn't even know, when I don't even know how to pray, he prays for me. Are y'all out? I'm, I'm getting ready to get. I'm, I, take notes, honey. I, wanna, I need to read these notes. But so like we know we're being manipulated to see there's a lot of lying. There's, in Ukraine, there's a lot of fraud, a lot of man, manipulation. It, it, there's a reason the whole world's focused. It's, it's, so, Holy Spirit, you know, this is why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I wasn't planning any of this, but I feel like I need to say it. This is why Paul said, um, when I pray in the Spirit, in spiritual language, heavenly language, I don't pray to man, but to God. Well, who would pray to man anyhow? Sometimes men who pray only in English or their native tongue, they get caught up in prayer groups and they, they pray just consumed with what everybody thinks around them. And Paul said, I don't pray to man, but when I pray in the Spirit, I speak mysteries. Now, some people go, mysteries, see, that's why Pentecostal people, they are very mysterious. That word right there does not mean weird or Adam's family. You know, it doesn't. It's, listen, the ways of God to the natural mind are mysterious. This is why Coleman said, we didn't even know to ask for such a thing. We, didn't, we never even asked for the, the military helicopters to fly us in and out of the bush to rescue children. But Coleman is a spirit-filled believer who daily prays in the Holy Spirit. And he prays a mystery. And God reveals the mystery and blows his mind and going, wow, God, are y'all out there? So when we see everything going on, in, last night at the prayer meeting, I insisted when they asked me to pray that we pray kingdom of God come, will of God be done, because I don't know the specifics enough. And, and so, and I encourage people, pray, if you pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit. Because what's happening when we pray in the Spirit? The third person of the Trinity in me is praying to the first person of the Trinity. Zechariah 3 and Robert Morris helped us point it out. That is a perfect language. Do you think God is going to tell the third person of the, God the Father is going to tell God the Holy Spirit? Uh -uh. No. When we pray in the Spirit, God goes, yes, I'm down with that. Our word is being confirmed in the earth. Are y'all out there? Anybody picking up 15% of what I'm putting down? Mm. Now, back to the sermon intro. So, we are in perilous times, but we are more than adequately equipped. But Paul said this to Timothy. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. And look, he described it, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. And listen, they will consider nothing sacred. Skip down, there's a lot he describes what it's going to be like in the last days, but the last four verses in that chapter, he says, but you, and this is me saying to you what Paul said to his young understudy Timothy but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught you know they are true for you know you can trust those who taught you you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in the republican party and everything fox news tells you no trusting in jesus all scripture, and I want to say this again because of all the static happening in seminaries and woke Christianity and all the deconstructionism, 
The Bible says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Hallelujah. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Is anybody in love with God's word and know it's still alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword? Come on, you ought to give more praise for the word of God than that. We believe it, Lord. It's your word. We stand on it. It's true. You can take it to the bank. Now, um, I was with Jensen Franklin this week in in a group of pastors in Tampa. And Jensen preached some from Judges chapter 5. And he said some things that marinated that as I thought about him, and I was like, I want to go back to Judges 4. And this is where you're going to have to listen closely. All right, so look, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then we start Joshua and then Judges. And Judges, following Joshua and the conquest of them being brought into the promised land, listen, this is America. This is so much like us. Israel plunges into a 350-year period of national spiritual deterioration or decline. And a deadly pattern develops where the people fall into sin. God disciplines them, listen, with foreign oppression. The people cry out in repentance, say we're sorry. God raises up a deliverer. Peace is restored This cycle repeats itself seven times in the book of Judges where God is ever faithful to keep the covenant that he made to his people. He extends grace again and again by sending such leaders as, listen, Samson, Gideon, and listen, because Judges, don't miss this stuff. Judges 21, 25 says, because there was no king, no man to be the king and to lead, Every man, man, man did what was right in his own eyes. And so God, in a culture that never did this, raises up a woman, Deborah, whose name means be, as in she just buzzing around getting the work of God done. She was, God called her a prophetess and a judge. And she referred to herself as a mother. She mothered her people. And in Judges chapter 4, now, this is where everybody put your thinking cap on. There's some characters in an amazing story in Judges 4. Jabin, the king of Hazor in Canaan, a tyrant. He was not a good guy. He was a bad guy. He was not on the side of God's people. The captain of his army was a guy named Sisera. Okay, so everybody understand, that's the king and the captain of his army, the two bad guys. And then we have Deborah, a Jewish judge, prophetess, in charge. She has a captain named, get ready for this, I'm going to call him Barak because I know some of you would have a hard time if I pronounced it in the popular way that it it's pronounced. Do you know what his word, his name means? Lightning. He strikes. He's a reluctant Jewish general. And so the bad guys and now the good guys. And then there's two more people in the story. Heber, a Kenite neighbor um, who, listen, who is... Um, a relative of Moses who moves away from his people, listen to me, into a more neutral neighborhood because he was a metal worker. His business required him to have relationships that were neutral to where he could be friends with both sides. His wife was J.L., and she was handy with a hammer. Get this. 
In the Eastern nomadic lifestyle, the women were the ones who set up the tents. The women. Bunch of lazy men, amen. And then the star always is Jehovah God, who is in this story, as in this story, as in your story. Jehovah God is the one who is in charge of wars and weather. And he can use the weather to manipulate the war to make sure he always wins. (laughs) If you knew the story, you'd be laughing too. All right, so here's what happens. For for 20 years, Jabin, can you leave? Yeah, leave those up. Jabin and his people have just been ruthlessly ruling the people of God. And Deborah gets tired of it. And she says to her captain, what's his name? Barak, right, good. Good job. It gets dangerous right there with that one. And she says, you know what? It's time. We've got to do something. So she says, I want you to go down. Listen, she, in charge of he, says to him, I want you to go down and get 10,000 soldiers ready. And he says to her, if you go with me, I'll do it. But if you won't go with me, I'm not going. And she says, All right, scaredy cat. I'll go with you, but when we get the victory, you won't be honored. I will be. And then when they go out, but you got to give him credit. He does round up 10,000 people. And the Bible says in Judges 4 that they have no, listen, no weapons. There are no shields and no swords. And they're going against this man who has 900 Iron, 900 horses, and nine, I'm sorry, horses for 900 iron chariots. There's no way the people of God are going to be able to stand against that kind of army. And so, Barak gets his 10,000, and the man who lived in compromise in the neutral place reached out and told Jabin, hey, I think the people of God are getting together. They're amassing their soldiers on the border. You might want to pay attention. And so they do pay attention. And then we're getting ready to read the story. Everybody look. So God manipulates the weather to where the horses can't get traction, the river's over flooding, it's raining, and they lose that battle. And when Jabin's commander, Sisera, realizes we're going to lose, he runs. And on his way back, he comes into Jael, the wife of the man who was playing both sides. And she says, come on in. She takes care of him. And he realizes, you know what? She's welcomed me into her tent. She must be on our side because no Hebrew woman would welcome me into her tent. And he asks for water. She brings him some milk. And in a noble jar, she brings it. And he says, I'm exhausted. And as I lay down to take my nap, if anybody comes and asks if I'm here, tell them I'm not. She begins to discern something's up. If he's wanting me to lie about who's in here. She begins to realize and gets the news about who he is. He falls asleep. She goes and gets what God has prepared her to do, trained her to do. She goes and gets two things, a tent, stake, and a hammer. And when he falls asleep, she goes over. Remember, this is the man who was playing both sides. And her wife makes, his wife makes a decision. It's not, it's now time to choose a side. And she chose a side. And while he, can you imagine her sneaking over there to the commander of the army? He must have been like tired. He's sleeping and she gets that stake. And the Bible says 
He, she takes the stake on his temple. He must have been laying there like this. And she put the stake right there and hit it a couple times. And the Bible says, and he was dead. So Deborah, in chapter 5, says, get this. We need to write a song about this. <laughs> Why did she do that? Because she knew the history books might record it, but somebody could change the history books. This could get lost in how people want to manipulate and revise history. True story. And so she, she knew, as oftentimes throughout the Hebrew culture, if we put this to a song, the jingle, the tune, the melody, and the words and the rhythm, it will touch us at a whole nother level. We will never forget this. Are y'all out there? The power of praise and worship. The power of the great hymns. All right, now I've just gone like deep and far. How many of you are still like somewhat in the same zip code I'm in? All right. Okay, good. Awesome. So now let's read the song. In Judges chapter 5, verse 1 says, they got together, um, she and Barak, and this is their song. Verse 2, it says, just pay attention to this. This is so stinking good. Verse 2, when leaders lead in Israel, and when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Let's just unpack that. When leaders lead, praise the Lord. Amen. When spiritual leaders will lead with courage and a backbone, praise the Lord. We're in this mess. We need judges because we can't find a king. We have a prophetess and a housewife. They mention her husband but I bet nobody in here knows his name, unless you've been cheating and reading it. Just. But there's a woman who says, God, you can use me. And he does. And she says, I'm going to mother the people of God. And when the people, when spiritual leaders lead, and the people willingly offer themselves in the army, in the battle, Oh, bless the Lord. Skip down verse 4. When you, Lord, went out from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom. All right, now everybody stop. Look right here. She's saying, God, when you went out to war against our foes, it was you, God. It was you created the circumstances that we knew you were ready to do battle. Everybody listen. Things all of creation begin to get involved. And what here, here's the parallel for us. What's going on in our world, if you've looked around on planet Earth in the last two years and you think there's not something unusual happening, you need to pinch yourself and wake up. Every thinking person who has a spiritual pulse knows something is up. Can I get a witness? And so... When you, Lord, when, when, when you were ready and you went in, you marched out into the battle, here's what happened. Romans 1. Oh, the earth got involved. All of na The earth shook. There was, there was a quaking going on. The heavens poured. The clouds came out. And look, they did two things. They made it hard to see. And they de deposited water. They poured down. The mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai. And I don't have time to unpack that, but this is her going back to, you made a covenant with us and we made it with you at that mountain before the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 6, in the days the highways were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. We were in a, a shutdown to flatten the curve. And you couldn't travel out on the main roads. The villages were quiet. Nobody was stirring. We were locked into fear. Verse 7. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose. A mother in Israel. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates. 
Because the ones who were leading were not leading. He chose new leaders when war came to the city gates. But not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. We had no no weapons for warfare. Verse 9, my heart is with Israel's princes or Israel's leaders. With the willing volunteers. Somebody say willing volunteers. Among the people, praise the Lord. Now look at verse 10. Eight donkeys sitting on your saddle blanket. Here's what she's saying. You upper, you high class folks, you elite, affluent, wealthy people, and those of you who don't have fancy transportation, you walk along the road. Consider, verse 11, the voice of the singers at the watering places. They recite the victories of the Lord, the victories of his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord went down to the city gates. Wake up, wake up, Deborah. Wake up, wake up. Break out in song. Arise, Barak. Take captives, your captive son of Abinoam. The remnant of the nobles came down. The people of the Lord came down to me against the mighty. Some came from Ephraim, whose roots were in Amalek. I'm going to explain this in a few minutes. Benjamin was with the people who followed you. From Machir, captains came down. From Zebulun, those who bear a a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Yes, Issachar was with Barak, sent under his command into the valley. In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Okay, stop right here in verse 15. What's he, what are they singing? They're saying, God, when you went out, the mountains started shaking. The clouds said, God's at work. I want to come. We've got to get involved and do all we can do. We can't fight this battle, but we can make it hard to see. The, the, they started raining down. We, we can't shoot an arrow, but... We can make it muddy so that those 900 iron chariots are obsolete. Later it says, and the stars got involved. When they saw God, like with the wise men. The Bible says it later in this chapter. The stars said, all right, we're going to confuse them. We can't come down there, but we can mess up their GPS. And, And the Bible says that's exactly what happened. And so God goes out and they're singing, going, God, everybody. And six of the, tri- of the 12 tribes said, we'll go. Four of them were getting ready to see. Four of the tribes, they say, thought about it. And there was two reasons why they probably said, ah, we're good. Number one was, we're not sure this is a battle we should fight. Moses talked to us about how to view war. And we're not sure. And the other thing is, whether we win or lose, I don't know after the war if we want to be seen as one of those who fought. Y'all picking up? So they played it safe. Look what verse 15 says, or 16. Why did you, why did you stay among the sheep pens to hear the whistling for the flocks? In the districts of Reuben, there was much, you pondered it, much searching of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in his coves. The people of Zebulun risked their lives, their very lives. So did Naphtali on the terraced fields. Some of y'all stayed home playing it safe, afraid to get off the fence. While some risk their very lives. Because it mattered. Verse 19. Kings came. Not for us. Our enemy. Other nations joined in and helped him. They fought. The kings of Canaan fought at Tanash. By the waters of Megiddo, they took no plunder or silver. They didn't take anything from us, but they fought. From the heavens, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The river Kishon 
swept them away. The age-old river, the river Kishon, march on, my soul, be strong. Then thundered the horse's hooves, galloping, galloping go his mighty steeds. And then look what verse 23 says. Please, this is the punchline. I'm going to bring this to a close in just a few minutes. Verse 23. But curse Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Look, look here. This is not Deborah or her commander, Barak, going, you know what? Y'all didn't help. Curse you. The angel said, put a curse on them, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its people bitterly because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty, the mighty foe we were fighting. Verse 24, most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, most blessed of tent-dwelling women. He asked for water and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for noble, she brought him curdled milk. Her hand reached for the tent peg, her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera, she crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. And look, this you're talking about an epitaph. At her feet, he sank, he fell. There he lay. At her feet, he sank, he fell dead and then look right here it says then the land had peace for 40 years what what am i saying right here i'm saying a couple of things and i just i want to distill these things down holy spirit speak to us number one is if there's no king you know without vision the people perish if there's no spiritual we see this over and over and over and When the word of the Lord was rare, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. When there was no king, every man did whatever he wanted to do. But God raised up a woman. And that woman was willing to get in the game. And she did. And she writes this song and she said, God... When you went out to battle, I was ready to go with you. And we went out to battle. And six tribes joined us. Four of them, they had good intentions, but they played it safe. Two of them, the Bible says, this is funny, they were from the coast. Enjoying their beach house. And they're like, ah, it's too far away. Let us know if you need us this is this is what happened and there was a woman whose husband because of business he had to work both angles when she realized what was going on she discerned what she needed to do we're related to those people even though we moved away from our tribe because we were in a good location for business. She realized what was happening. Boy, she got serious. What are you doing? Are you in the game? You said, Pastor Chuck, I'm in the game, but what, what are you doing in the game? I don't really have that much to offer. I, you know, I mean, I'm not a, I can't sing or play like that. I can't, I'm not a teacher. Are you doing anything in the game? You got to get in the game. We're in a, we're in a season in the history of the world. You can't ride the fence. You've got to get involved. Holy Spirit. In in Matthew chapter 24, brothers and sisters, I feel the weight of his presence. I wish I had 20 more minutes to preach and massage this in to help you get what God is saying. I sense, I sense a profound responsibility 
to shepherd you right now. I'll sleep tonight or not sleep based on how much integrity I have when I share his word. I've been all over the country the last few weeks. And some pastors are still about growing their church, growing their budget. I'm not about that. I'm about speaking the truth, about loving you and shepherding you. And in Matthew 24, Jesus told the disciples, it's going to be like this, it's going to be like this on the day I came. And you remember, I started that. So it's going to be just like the day of Noah. And then in Matthew 25, he opens up, and there's two parables. And the first one is the parable of the virgins. And we, I preached about it just not long ago. They had to have oil, Holy Spirit. The ones who didn't have enough, Holy, enough oil, they missed the bridegroom. The next parable, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. It's the parable of the talents. Jesus says, a landowner went away. And to one person, he gave five talents. To another, he actually said ten talents. Because he was a talented person. They could manage a lot. The next person, he gave five talents. And then one, he gave one talent. And the Bible says, he gave them, listen to me, according to their ability. And when he came back, the, the one with the ten talents came forward and said, Sir, I took those 10 talents and I, I doubled your money. We got, now we have 20. And the Lord said, well done. That's awesome. Great job. That's exactly what I knew you would do. That's what I intended for you to do. The one with five came in. He didn't go, you only gave me five, so I only could produce five. He came in and said, Lord, I've, I've done the same. I've been faithful. The five that you gave me, I've turned that into 10. Here you go. And Jesus said the same thing. And the, the third servant came and goes, because I was, listen to me, afraid, because I walked in fear and not in relationship, I know you're a hard man. You're kind of legalistic. And I just stayed back and played it safe. And I didn't really know what to do. So I took the one talent you gave me and I buried it so nobody could steal it. I wasn't going to lose it. And here it is. Hear me. Jesus said, you lazy, wicked servant. And you know what he ended up doing with him. Be separated eternally. I'm speaking to a North Atlanta church, and some of you may go, Pastor Chuck, this is too much. I'm going to need to take a couple weeks off and even decide, do I want to be in this church anymore? It's okay. That's how you feel. But don't be a wicked, lazy servant. What's a wicked servant? A wicked servant is when they take what God has given them and they don't use it for God. Bible, Jesus says that's wicked. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus, there was some disturbance or uh, disagreement about, hey, they're casting out demons. And then they, they said, Jesus was, the religious church people said Jesus was casting out demons by the power of Satan. How ludicrous is that? And then Jesus, he said, you know what? If you're not for me, you're against me. If you're not helping us gather, you're scattering you're working counterproductive. Man, I'm calling you Restoration Church, everybody here. In this time in our world, you know, you got a pastor. I'm going on the record, not because I'm, I'm going on the record because I understand this. We live in a crazy day. And somebody's got to say, no, to the government, you don't get to raise our children. We, they're our children. Somebody has to lovingly, responsibly stand up and say, girls are girls and boys are boys. And I know that's even taboo in church on Sunday morning. 
Somebody has to say, it's not okay, National Education Association, to tell our little kindergartner and first grade boys, you can be a girl if you want to. Somebody has to say, no, I'm getting off the fence. I'm in the game. And you know, I could go on and on and on. And, and people go, Pastor Chuck, thank you for your courage. Are you kidding me? That's how sick and weak we are. And we've all moved into a place of, well, I don't really want to say anything. And I'll let somebody else fight that battle. The Bible says, the angel tell, says, I'm not, I don't even have to curse them, but their mentality and their spiritual state is in itself a curse. They're outside of my plan. Now I'm calling you restoration. Pastor Chuck, what do you want us to do? Get in the game. Ask the Holy Spirit to show. Get in the book. You go, well, what do you, what do you need? I don't know. It's a rainy day. Wouldn't it have been awesome if we had 50 people out there with umbrellas going, sir, as you drop your wife off here in the new portico covered and you go out there and park, and we've got umbrellas, and we go out and just love on people and help that brother get back, or make sure they've got an umbrella. You go, really? Really? Yes! Yeah. Stop being a consumer. Get in the game. This is a matter of life and death, heaven and hell, Satan or God. I'm on the Lord's side. And listen, don't, don't clap. I don't need it, and I don't want it. Listen. I want you to clap for him. I want you to get in the game and go, you know what? I don't know what to do with him, but I know God wants to take him out. The mountains are shaking. The clouds have come down. All I have is a couple leftover tent pegs and a hammer. Don't you love a woman, a scorned woman like that who goes, I... Yeah, I love her, but I wouldn't want to be married to her, right? <laughs> and, and we sit here and go, man, that, that's intense. It is intense. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the point. Do you have a house? We need more small groups. Do you know... Can you find the book of Matthew? We need more small group leaders. We'll help you find the book of Acts. We'll teach you. Get in the game. Get Because this, what's happening in Russia, Ukraine, D.C., C.D.C., is that. Amen? Now, how many of you can tell? I feel like I got a medium on. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Come on, stand to your feet. I just prophesy over you. As you get in the game, realize it's his battle. So what's going to happen? The enemy's horses are going to slip and fall. The stars, their GPS, their technology is going to fail. They're going to get shut down. Are y'all picking up what the story said to us this morning? We're on the Lord's side. We win. We win. We win. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over these brothers and sisters. Holy Spirit, breathe on them even now. Breathe on them, Lord. Help us to move out beyond that lukewarm mentality, that ambivalent, that neutral position to get in the game. May we surrender and get all in. And I pray, Father, you begin to use us like an army. I pray, Father, like JL, like Deborah, like Barak. Like, I pray, Father, that you would call men. Get involved. Help Cindy down there in children's ministry. Some young men and women who go, Pastor Ben, what do you need in the youth ministry? We're building an army. You need greeters? You need ushers? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get in the game. I'm not going to be neutral. I'm in the game. If you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, would you just raise your hand right now? And I just want you to confess. Holy Spirit is speaking to me specifically. 
and I'm going to commit to be in the game. I'm going to do what God's calling me to do. Come on, raise your hand right now in the name of Jesus. Young and old, male and female, in the name of Jesus, fresh anointing fall upon us, Lord. So we lead this place, Lord. I pray that we would not outgo, outrun your presence. I pray, Father, you would consume us with the fire of your spirit. And right now, Lord, we'd stop looking here and there to get the news and figure out how to pray. May we get in your word. May you fill us with your spirit. May you use us as salt and light. I pray you'd raise up prophets and prophetesses. I pray that you would raise up men and women for this hour, the sons of Issachar who understood the times and knew what the people of God should do. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you're in the army of the Lord, let's praise him. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Praise your name, Jesus. Lord, bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May lift his countenance up on you and give you peace as you go. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great afternoon. Don't forget your small groups tonight.